This week, we have a slight change of pace on the podcast, and we're looking at a major environmental issue. That is, the quality of water in Dublin Bay. I've had the pleasure of knowing Jerry Jones for many years, and he's well known as a successful investor, chairman and director over a wide range of technology businesses. But Jerry, through his personal interest and that of his family, and also with a group of other concerned citizens, became involved in citizen activism after finding out about the poor quality of water in Dublin Bay. The story is very interesting about how this group discovered flaws in the monitoring of water in Dublin Bay, but also that a large amount of sewage still flows into the bay during times of heavy rainfall, which was news to me. Jerry and the SOS Dublin Bay team are shining a spotlight on the problem and he updates us on what they have done in terms of short-term fixes, but also helped to move the political establishment and authorities to focus on the issue. The podcast shows how concerned citizens can help make a difference to everybody's lives. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. So welcome to the podcast. And this week, I'm delighted to have Jerry Jones, who I've known for a long time. And Jerry is a, a Renaissance man, Jerry, if I can say that about you. Um, so Jerry is an experienced business person, VC and board member in a lot of different companies, a lot of different projects. So uh, Jerry, first of all, just welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to be to talk to you today. No, thanks. And uh, um, what uh, current business projects are you involved in? I know, I know you do a lot of different things. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of involved in a number of different projects, uh, mainly as uh, a board and board roles from non-exec director to exec director to company chairman uh, with a heavy bias towards tech. I think, Pat, you and I have been around the tech industry to <laughs> quote Harry Moore for more years than I care to remember. <laughs> um, but I've always uh, had an interest in, in, in tech, uh, and I suppose that's been my DNA and background from, from my college days. I was one of those guys in college that was was kind of um, using punch card machines and uh, <laughs> programming in Fortran. That gives my age away. And um, but as all those guys just kind of found it fascinating, and that's been most of my career. Not all my career, most of my career is in that area. Yeah, well, um, similar vintage, uh, Jerry, and um, yeah, my my coding days are behind me too. But um, I still I still talk the talk. I don't walk the walk. But there you go. <laughs> but, uh, actually, we're we're here for a different reason, and anyone who knows Dublin knows that one of its most 
fantastic features is Dublin Bay. Jerry, I know you're a sailor going way back, but the the bay is probably something we take for granted. I know I live near Port Marnock Beach myself. It's just an amazing beach that's only 10 kilometers from a major city. But you, you've got involved in a project that, and when you told me about it, I thought this was really interesting. So it's, it's called SOS Dublin Bay. You're the chairman. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose, um, like, in fact, my very first job was actually not in tech at all. It was actually to do with uh, water sports and sailing. So it's kind of a, both, it was an early part of my career and a hobby and passion, which, you know, if you live in Dublin Bay, it's, um, it's just one of those things you, you have your, on your doorstep as was the whole bay itself. You know, I think that we, people who live in Dublin, are so lucky and so fortunate to have a capital city with an amazing uh, environment and, and biosphere, which we call Dublin Bay. And whether you just like looking at the bay, walking on the beach, walking your dog on the beach, scuba diving, sailing, kayaking, kites, kiteboarding, or some mixture of all the above, it's an amazing amenity. And uh, I, I live uh, in Tenegiri in, in Dublin, so I'm kind of, it's, it's a four or five minute walk from my house to the beach. And I, I think I'm so fortunate, especially over the last year, when we've all had to kind of curtail our, <laughs> the way we can go about things and how we can go and, and, and those exercise. But yeah, my, my kids and my wife are, are, are all year round swimmers. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm more a, a fair weather sailor when it comes to it. So, and, and then with a, a, a wetsuit to keep yourself from freezing mm-hmm. to death. But my wife swims all year round. And in the last couple of years, you know, we've been seeing more reports and seeing things in the Bay which are kind of really worrying around um, pollution and the like as well. And what really kind of, I suppose, got me involved in this in this, in this whole area was my, my, my daughter actually um, and my wife got, got, got tummy bugs from, from, from swimming. Uh, well, we suspect it was swimming. We have no absolute proof of that, but it was pretty, pretty, pretty much the case. So last October, I decided, well, let's just check this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 wanted to see, you know, what the, what I suppose how how people felt about this. So we set up a petition on change.org, and literally in the space of a couple of weeks, maybe over say September October, maybe about, about eight week period, we got about eighteen nineteen thousand people signing up, saying they were really concerned about um, about Dublin Bay and specifically the pollution in Dublin Bay caused by sewage. Human mm-hmm. sewage, mostly, may I add, which is pretty- and, and you just said this. So uh, this was sort of by personal experience or experience of others. There wasn't an official announcement about pollution or anything. That you you sort of came upon this by your own experience, shall we say? Yeah, ab- absolutely, uh, very much so. And you know, it was one of these things. You know, you talk around in the evening with your kids and your wife about, gosh, the bay, what's happening and you know, something wrong here, but not really know much about the, the science or the oceanography or the, or the, or the, the whole, I suppose, um, data behind that, other than you had a good feel something was wrong. So after we set that, um, to that petition, um, a couple of people uh, who I knew, we got together, a work group. One of them is an environmental lawyer, uh, Philip Lee, who is really well known in this area. Knows uh, Charlotte O'Kelly, who's an oceanographer, who's deeply immersed in maritime affairs. Dr. John Kavanagh, who's a retired and uh, scientist from the pharma industry, and, and, and a few as well. We, we, we uh, was a lobbyist, a digital marketeer as well, and we got together for a work group of about six, six, pe- six, seven people. And over the following few months, we did quite a bit of research in this area, a lot of research, in fact, because uh, I believe you know. There's no point in saying something. You need to have evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. And to, to be interesting, there's a huge amount of data published uh, by the EPA, 
which is a regulatory authority which effectively polices uh, the environment in Ireland, uh, Irish Water, the utility, and the councils, Dublin Council, Dublin City Council, and the like as well. And we did a lot of research and produced a policy document. But the outcome of that research and that document, which we published, Pat, uh, I think it was back in April of this year, was that we actually got copies of the Irish Water logs, which itemize the discharge of untreated sewage into the bay. So we got copies of those from Irish Water. We examined them very, very closely. And over the four-year period from 2017 to 2020, we have the data, the daily logs for those that, that period of time, that four-year period. And we, we actually found uh, that just under 9 million cubic metres of raw sewage wow. has been discharged into Dublin Bay by the Ringsend plant. Wow. So just, so just again, for people who might know Dublin Bay, it's this beautiful bay. Um, it's probably a, a shoreline of 30 kilometres, something like that, curving uh, peninsula at the top. But in the in the mouth of the river, Liffey, there's a major sewage plant called Ringsend, which is ostensibly up to the highest standards of European standards. But you're Correct. saying that there was millions of litres of sewage being deliberately pumped into the bay. Absolutely. Uh, uh, not not so pumped, actually, it's overflow tanks. Overflow, yes. So, so the, the problem here, and you're right, the Ringsend plant uh, is a very, very modern plant. Uh, operating standards. Uh, it's being expanded at the moment, but the problem is it simply hasn't got enough capacity for the population of Dublin, which has grown obviously dramatically in the last kind of two decades. So there's been a lag and lack of investment there. And the way this manifests itself, Pat, is that during periods of heavy rain, particularly in the winter months, which is more prevalent, it's more prevalent in those month, winter months, the, the, the plant can't handle the volume of water. And there's kind of a very interesting, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, I suppose feature of the infrastructure system in Dublin in Dublin City, which is what I call Old Dublin, Rock Mines, Rockgar, Palmerston, Dalkey, Black Rock, City Centre Dublin. The infrastructure, the, the pipe infrastructure, takes both what I call drainage water, rainwater, and sewage into the one pipe network. Mm-hmm. which is, uh, in periods of heavy rain, it simply can't handle that volume. It hits the plant in Ring's End, and then Ring's End, the engineers have a choice, either to not release into the bay, let it back up, and then what was sewage flushed down your toilet this morning comes back up that same evening, which mm-hmm. is exactly yeah. going to happen. So what yeah. the engineers do is they release that into the bay. Well, I, I thought those days were gone, Jerry, to be honest. Well, that was the revelation to me. I thought they were gone as well. And in our research, which we did and produced as evidence, we were just astonished, not by the fact that it's simply happening, but the fact that it's uh, it's the volumes. And like, it's, when you hear 9 million cubic metres, you say, what does that mean? Because it's, it's kind of almost incomprehensible. It's an average of 74 Olympic pools each month. Wow. Or two and a half pools each day. Now, it's an average. And in some of those days, um, there is no discharge at all. And they, that tends to be summer months. And then in, in winter months, it's huge. And the highest ever in one day, which I forget exactly the date when it was, but it was during that time, that four-year period, there was 377,000 cubic metres released in a single 24-hour period. Wow. So what that means is uh, Dublin Bay is becoming, unfortunately, a, a vast open sewer. And, That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, the beaches, I mean, Marion Strand, I understand, has been closed for swimming now. Because now, again, for people who don't know the bay, Marion Strand is a, the first beautiful beach on the south side. 
and it's very close to the city. Uh, certainly a great beach for walking on, but as I understand it, I think you can't swim in it anymore. Yeah, well, you can swim, but at your peril, I suppose, the way. So we, we in, in the European Union, uh, there's a European directive called the 2006 Bathing Water Directive, which actually regulates and defines how bathing water are tested throughout the European Union. Interesting, uh, that's enacted in Irish law to a, a statutory instrument. And the, uh, the Irish state, actually, by the way, uh, it, it have incorrectly done that. It's been transposed into Irish legislation, and it's wrong. But all that I described there as well is this testing of water happens only during the summer bathing season, which is a 14-week period, 1st of June to middle of September. So during that period, there's testing of water done, usually about once every week. And uh, there's a, an outcome of that, which is a report on beaches.ie, which people use to see if it's safe or not to swim. And the beaches, uh, in the case of Marion, has failed those tests for a number of years, I think it was four consecutive years, which means that it's delisted as a beach. In other words, you can't, you're not supposed to swim anymore on Marion, on Marion Beach because of the, uh, the toxic level of sewage and effluent on that beach, which, as you said, Pat, is so close to city centre and it's one of the closest beaches to the actual plant itself. It's well, an amazing it's, beach, actually. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just shocking to say that as well. And, you know, one of the things that Dublin Bay, SOS Dublin Bay is pushing for is that the testing of water is done all year round simply because uh, here, now today, in the, especially because of the pandemic, people are swimming all year round. If you go down to any of the speed, like the, the you know, um, any of the major beaches on the on the bay and out, out to the bay, up towards, you know, Port Marnock, Loch Shinney, uh, Skerries, you'll see people swimming there, you know, uh, in the morning time before work as well. So we're calling for that to happen, uh, A, because it's a public health issue and needs to we need to protect people and inform people it's safe to swim. Uh, and B, you know, um, I suppose, understand where the problems are coming from. And one very important factor here, Pat, which I've overlooked mentioning, is that, that that 9 million cubic metres of discharge is only from the plant. There's a further 410 what's called stormwater outflows in Dublin Bay, in the Dublin Bay area, both Dublin Bay and beyond the bay, which are un, un, unmeasured, which mm. lead to further discharges, which are not measured at all. Uh, it looks like those amounts are probably greater than the 9 million I've quoted. Oh. But mm. nobody actually knows, including Irish water. So you yeah. see a problem which is just getting literally worse and worse as each uh, as each week goes by, and it's a threat to an extraordinary biosphere that people of Dublin are use regularly. Well, I mean, it's it's well, it's not good news. It's it's better that we know about this, and you know, fair dues to you and, and everyone there for bringing this to the the front, you know, to the fore. What do you think should happen? Obviously, there's there's you know, there's a long-term solution, but in the in, in the interim, Jerry, what what's SOS Dublin Bay doing to help move this along? We presume all the politicians and the engineers want this fixed as well. Uh, we're not we're not here just to make you know hand ring. I guess you want a plan put together or something. Yeah, well, in our policy document, we call for a number of measures, both short-term and long-term measures. And on the short-term measure, we're calling for two specific short-term measures, which can be enacted immediately. Uh, the first is that the testing of the bathing water in Dublin Bay, which is done only for 14 weeks, is done all year round at 10 reference points in the bay. Uh, we've called for that. Uh, it's in our policy document. And I'll come back to that in a moment if I, if I could, Pat. The second um, uh, short-term measure we're, we're, we're calling for is that in the, uh, the treatment plant in Ringsend, there is a process for treating the water use, which uses ultraviolet um, light 
which basically sterilizes the water and kills a lot of bacteria in the water before it's discharged. Again, that only operates during the 14-week period. And we're asking that to operate all year round. Now, both those measures can be enacted immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1st of June. In fact, the, ses- the, te- the testing of water has started already, even though it doesn't start officially on the 1st of June, it has started already in Dublin Bay. That should continue all, all, uh, all year round from, from, from then on. And the UV plant can be switched on. The equipment is there. There's no uh, material capital investment needed to, to put that in place. However, there is an extra operating cost, mainly electricity. So those two short-term measures are immediate. In our view, they're needed, and they're needed because this is a public health issue. Uh, Secondly, it would ensure the compliance with the 2006 European Directive, which Ireland does not comply with because it's enacted incorrectly into Irish legislation. Thirdly, it would be discharging a duty of care, which the local authorities have. It is Mm -hmm. the local authorities that have responsibility for testing water. And and lastly, and most importantly, they're easy wins that can happen immediately. So there's our our immediate, immediate measures. We're also calling for more, more medium, longer term measures. And that really boils down Pat, to we've underinvested in water infrastructure in the country for the last probably, two or three decades. Uh, it's a fact. And the OECD issued a report uh, last week, incidentally, uh, about this matter and called for a greater investment in Irish um, water treatment plants. Uh, and it's not just a Dublin issue, by the way. It's also all around the country. You know, when you raise politicians, and the Taoiseach was interviewed about this about two weeks ago, they say how much money has been put into investment by Irish water. That's true, but it's simply not enough. It's late, and we have a catch-up process to do here. Right, right. Well, Jerry, yeah, I mean, we all know how political the water uh, situation is, but the truth is that we've probably been living off the Victorian networks for the last, since the state was founded. And it is about time that we're, we're just going to have to pay that's, Water is a key part of all our lives, and also the facility of Dublin Bay is such a fantastic opportunity yeah, yeah. for everyone in, in the city, and a, hu- a huge tourist attraction, which we, which we don't exploit really properly. Well, absolutely, water. yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting, actually, um, uh, and it, it, the OECD report last week, which is really interesting read as well, and an extremely comp- comprehensive document. Uh, they pointed out something which I wasn't aware of which Ireland is the only country in the OECD that does not charge for water services. Mm. So that's a fact. And, you know, Ireland is bottom of the league, no matter what metric you use in terms of uh, analysing water infrastructure, according to the OECD as well. There's a whole bunch of metrics they actually use there as well. There's a link between those two things. And we we did as a a country uh, invest, I think it was 1.3 billion euros in water meters, which were installed uh, in everyone's house, and they're there gathering dust. So it's a complete disconnect. And, you know, um, one of the engineers very helpful to us in Irish Water uh, made a very interesting comment uh, about this very point. And he said, Jerry, infrastructure, be it electricity, telecommunications, or water needs investment. He said, if we had an underinvested in the electric network, like we have in the water network, that would manifest itself. You'd come home, put the switch on in your house, and no lights would come on. And you'd have an instant out- outpour of, you know, of, of of criticism by people saying, well, I need yeah. electricity. Because the consequence of underinvestment of water isn't apparent, obviously. Yeah. It becomes maybe less less present less present or less visible. However, how it does manifest itself is in sewage in the bay, which creates, which creates public health uh, problems and uh, you know and health issues for people as well. 
a very interesting development as well last last week, uh, Pat, as well, which was actually we weren't aware of, was the EPA, which is the regulatory authority for uh, the environment in Ireland. Um, their uh, their director, uh, Dr. Emer Cotter, uh, issued a statement last week uh, calling for additional water quality monitoring at beaches all year round. Right. People swim all year round. So the EPA have come out now on this. Uh, so they yeah, you've, you, you've raised this as an issue, and there may be some, the wind may be going to get moving around a little bit behind this issue. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a great example of, of uh, concerned citizen activism, Jerry. And I mean, all the best intent on your part and your colleagues on the committee and all those people who signed that petition. So it's, it's encur- I, I find that actually encouraging. I, I think this is a, just a matter of focus, time, and money, and we can do this, we can fix this. Well, I think, yeah, like it's interesting, like we're just like, you know, the people that came together, like the people, the group, the work group that I described earlier there, Pat, was like just a bunch of people who, who I, who basically I knew who had different skills, which were relevant. And we, we, we pulled the pull up together and produced the policy document. By the way, we have, we have a website called sosdublinbay.ie where you have all the policy documents. We've also managed to get about about 15 parliamentary questions asked in the Dáil Éireann. And some politicians have been superb. Uh, Ivana Batchik, Sean Sherlock, um, Jennifer Carroll McNeil, have been really supportive and have asked quite a few parliamentary questions. Interesting. So I think that the fact the EPA have said this uh, publicly, which is absolutely uh, aligned with what we've asked for as well, I think is a game changer. But what was very interesting, Pat, was uh, we were invited uh, to meet Minister Dar O'Brien, who's the Minister for Housing. Well, he's the Minister for Housing and Environment. We were invited to meet him there, which we did. I met him on the 28th of April, along with Mr. Noonan, the Minister of State in the same department. Minister O'Brien, first of all, he attended the meeting. The meeting was about an hour. We had himself and his officials on the call. Both ministers were absolutely thoroughly briefed and understood the problem. Minister O'Brien has committed during that meeting, and he tweeted afterwards the same day that he's going to do something about this and has asked for a recommendation from the Bathing Moor Expert Group, which is an interdepartmental group in the Department of Environment, which includes civil servants and also NGOs from uh, Bay, uh, but Coastwatch, uh, the EPA are on that, the HSE are on that, uh, a number of other groups as well. So they've met in May. Uh, we know they're putting together a recommendation for the minister, and the minister has asked to meet us again, has, to meet us again in the middle of June. So right. I believe we're going to get we're going to, going to get movement here. What movement means, I don't know, but I expect yeah. we'll see some progress along our demands happening as well. Okay. Well, look, Jerry, it's it's great. I mean, you guys have shown a spotlight on this, and you can sense the political system and the the regulatory system is starting to move in the same direction so i mean we can do things in ireland we can do things it's there's you're you're one of these guys who doesn't throw his hands up and say well that's terrible i hope someone does something about it you've gone and done something about it so fair use to you jerry so look uh, we we look forward to us uh having a a, a beer or two by dublin bay in the future time <laughs> and knowing that that water is nice and clean <laughs> hopefully hopefully Right. And uh, thanks, Jerry. Um, on the podcast, you might be aware that we the guest nominates the play out song. So what have you got for us? Rod Stewart sailing. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> well done, Jerry. That's 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 sort of it nails it. 
<laughs> look, a pleasure meeting you, Pat. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk. And uh, I must say, with Bree, you know, when you asked me the day, I said, "My gosh, that's a." a, a uh, I wasn't thinking that way when we talked about something else entirely different. But look, appreciate indeed. And if people want more information on this, um, you know, uh, please, you know, go to SOSDublinBay.ie. If you feel strongly about it, write to your local TD if you're Dublin-based, uh, because we actually are. We're actually uh, in the middle now of lobbying all the TDs, all 44 Dublin Bay TDs. And about 10 of them have signed up a petition on this matter to the minister as well. So if you want to do something about it, please go to our website, uh, push your local TD. And really, I think, you know, the wonderful bay, of, of the wonderful bay, which is Dublin Bay, which is something we all enjoy, let's protect it and give it to the next generation a better condition than we got. Yeah, well said, Jerry. I am sailing, I am sailing home again. Across the sea, I am sailing stormy waters to be near you, to be free. I am flying, I am flying like a bird. The sky, I am flying, passing high.